All right, how many of you are in a group now that weren't two minutes ago, all right? Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Well, uh, good morning and welcome again. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. And as Tony said, this is the third week of our series that we've been calling War of the Worlds. And we're really talking about a very serious topic, this, this idea that there is a spiritual battle that's going on all around us. And uh, I had the privilege of preaching two weeks ago, the first week of the series, over at our Kimberly Way campus. And I told him a story that I want to share with you as kind of a little bit of a review. Uh, back uh, when I was a lot younger, uh, I remember I was at a friend's house one night, and he had rented this movie. Now, if you're watching the or listening to the podcast, I've got the three least scary pictures I could find of the movie The Exorcist on the screen right now. And uh, so my buddy had rented the movie The Exorcist, and we watched it, and the movie ended. And, you know, he kind of expected me to say, okay, it's late, I'm going to go home. And I look at him and I go, I don't want to go anywhere for a while, Okay. <laughs> Can I just stay here for a minute? And, and he's like, really? That movie freaked you out that much? I'm like, it totally freaked me out. It scared the crud out of me. And he's like, why? I don't get it. I rent horror movies all the time, and you've never been scared before. I'm like, yeah, but vampires and mummies and, and zombies and all that stuff, that stuff's not real. But this, this is real. And that's why it freaked me out so much. In the first week of the series, Dan did a great job here at Green Trails helping us think through this idea that Satan is real. We may have this kind of uh, characterized cartoon version of Satan in our head that society kind of pushes out there. But the fact is the Bible teaches us that Satan is real and the battle around us is real. In fact, this is our theme verse for the series, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, sometimes we may feel like our biggest problems are with other people or with uh, things in the world around us, physical things. But, but uh, Paul says no. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Evil is real, and Satan is real, and his demons are real, and uh, we are in a battle. But the good news we also learned that first week of this series is we, we better make sure we don't forget that in the end we win, Right? We've got Jesus on our side, and he is more powerful by far than any Satan or demon or anyone, and he is the one that is fighting for us. And because he is our champion, we don't have to worry. We should take this seriously, but we don't have to be afraid. And, uh, and then last week, uh, Tony did a good job helping us think, think through why we should be talking about this. That it's important to know your enemy. And last week he talked about this idea that, that two of the, the, the tactics that Satan uses against us is he is a deceiver. He, he tells us lies and they're just close enough to the truth that they sound like they're true. He, he, he deceives us and, and he tempts us. He tries to get us to do things that, that are against our, our nature as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, th this week we want to up the ante a little bit. We want to talk about two more ways that Satan is at work in our lives, two more tactics of Satan in our lives, and that is, the Bible calls him a devourer and an accuser. Now, in 1 Peter 5, we read this. Peter writes, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, looking for someone to devour. Have any of you ever heard a lion roar? I don't mean like, you know, in the intro at the beginning of the movie at the theater. I mean like a real lion roar. 
it is frightening. I remember when I was younger, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, we were at Brookfield Zoo, and this is when they had the old lion house. You know, the lions could go outside, but when the weather was bad, they brought them inside, and it was just this big old building, uh, kind of concrete walls, real echoey, you know. And I remember going in there, and there was a lion down at one end, and for some reason, he decided to let out just this this loud roar, and I remember just being stunned for a moment and every kind of fiber in my being going, run! (laughs) I mean, really, that's how it made me feel. It was terrifying. And that's the image that Peter uses. He says Satan is like that roaring lion. He's just looking for somebody to devour. Now, what does that mean? When we say that Satan is trying to devour us, what can Satan really do to me? Well, what about possession, right? We, we, we read in the Bible about people that were possessed by demons. That movie, The Exorcist, you know, that I was talking about that was real, that was about this girl who's possessed by a demon. Can Satan possess you? Do you have to worry about that? Well, let's see what the Bible says. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, uh, Paul writes, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God. Now, first of all, when did that happen for you? When was the Holy Spirit given to you? It was in the waters of your baptism. It's one of the things that the Bible teaches us, that when we are baptized, it's not just water poured on our head, but the Holy Spirit is poured out into us, like one of those stories in the book of Acts that we're going to be studying next month. That, that, that we are given this gift of God's Spirit, and, and if you're possessed at all, you're possessed by the Holy Spirit. That The Holy Spirit lives in you to give you hope and courage and strength and to, to, to help you uh, see that God's plan for your life, to help guide and direct your path. So let me ask you this. If the Holy Spirit indwells you, lives in you, do you think Satan can live in you too? No way. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you can't have Satan living in you. It it can't work that way. There's no room for a demon inside of you when you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So the good news is, when we talk about Satan being that devourer, what can Satan do to us? One thing Satan can't do to us as believers is possess us. We don't have to worry about that. Well, what about our faith? Can Satan take your faith away? Can can Satan cause you to turn your back on God, to to, to throw away that faith that you've been given? Can Satan do that to you? Well, again, let's look at what Scripture says. Jesus actually said it this way in John 10. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And then look at what Jesus says. He says, no one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. It's a beautiful image. This idea that that if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's got you in the palm of his hand. His heavenly Father has has a hold on your life. And, And God's promises, because he has a hold on our life, Satan cannot snatch us out of our heavenly Father's hand. Satan cannot Take your faith away. You don't have to worry that your faith is at risk. If you belong to Jesus, he's not going to let you go. Well, then then what does the Bible mean when it says Satan is trying to devour us? If, If he can't possess our bodies and he can't take away a faith, what can he do to us? Well, let me ask you this. Can Satan give you cancer? 
Can Satan cause you physical harm? Well, again, let's see what the Bible says. There's this book in the Old Testament called the book of Job. And it tells a story, and the story starts actually up in heaven with this conversation between Satan and God. And, and, and God's trying to prove to Satan that, that love is powerful and that unconditional love is the way love is supposed to work. And he says to Satan, for example, look at Job. Look, look at my follower Job. He, he loves me and he's dedicated his life to me. And Satan goes, well, sure, Job's dedicated his life to you. Life to you. You've blessed him. He's got, he's got a wonderful family. He's got great friends. He's got, he's, got, uh, he's got a lot of wealth. He's got health. No wonder he loves you. You've done good stuff for him. But take that stuff away and he won't love you anymore. And God says, I don't, I, I, you're wrong. I disagree. And so finally says, Satan says, okay, prove it. And so God gives Satan permission to take Job's stuff away. And even, look at this. He says, reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you to your face. That's Satan replying to the Lord. And the Lord says, all right, do as you please. But spare his life. Don't kill him. But do as you please. And, and the Bible says that Satan then went and inflicted Job with, with all kinds of uh, illness. So can Satan hurt our bodies? Yeah. But only if God lets him. And here's the amazing promise that God promises, and, and we see it in that story of Job. In fact, that's why that story of Job is in the Bible. That, that, that if God is going to let something physically happen to us, it's going to be for good. I know that's hard for us to get our brains around. And, uh, and, and there's this part of us that's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean God would actually let me get sick or God would, would let something bad happen to me? But only if God knows it's going to be for your best. All things work together for good, for the good of those who love him. That's God's promise. And you know the, the, the best example of this? Look at what Satan did to Jesus. Right? I mean, Satan, we're told he, he took control of Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, and, and he made sure Jesus was betrayed. Satan is the one that had Jesus nailed to that cross. That was Satan's plan. But, but he couldn't have done it if God didn't let it happen, if Jesus didn't let it happen. And, and, and I, I imagine in that moment when Satan was nailing Jesus to that cross, when, when Jesus was dying on that cross, Satan was sitting back going, I won. But he had a surprise coming, didn't he? He didn't win at all. In fact, through the death of Jesus on the cross, Jesus conquered sin and death for you and for me. And so we can have confidence that if God does let something happen to us, if God does let Satan hurt our bodies, he can't really hurt who we are. And, and, and he can't devour us at all. But I actually think it's the second tactic we want to talk about today that, that maybe is the one that, that involves us the most in our daily lives, in our encounter with Satan. And that, that's this role that Satan has as the accuser. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had thoughts like these? Have you ever thought, you know, after what I've done, could God really forgive me? Uh, boy, I don't know. I've done some pretty bad stuff. I, I can't imagine that, that, that God would actually forgive me. Or, or have you ever thought, you know, I'd love to tell somebody about my faith. I'd, I'd love to share with them the hope that I have in Jesus, but I'm afraid if I open my mouth, I'm just going to mess it up. Or they're, they're going to ask me a question that I won't know how to answer, and, and I'm just going to make a mess of it. You ever thought like that? Or have you ever thought, yeah, I'd like to lead a small group this fall, but man, I can't lead a small group. I can't even lead myself. How can I lead other people? Or uh, 
Or maybe it's just as simple as, you know, if people knew the real me, if people could see my thoughts and they knew the things that I think sometimes or, or the stuff that I do that no one knows about, if people really knew the real me, nobody would want to hang around with me. Do you ever feel that way? Folks, these thoughts come from Satan. It's his job to, to accuse us, to, to make us feel guilty, to make us doubt God's plan and purposes for our lives. Now, I don't know whether Satan literally is hanging over your head, whispering in your ear in a voice that you can't hear, and that's where those thoughts come from. Or I don't know whether he can actually put that thought in your head. Or I don't know whether it's more like what Tony said last week, where you know it's kind of like Satan's yelling and like the strings of that piano just vibrate from the yell. I, I don't know exactly the mechanics of how that works, because the Bible doesn't tell us. But I do know this, that whenever we have those doubts, whenever we have those those self-doubting thoughts, whenever we are tempted to, to doubt God's love for us or to, to turn away from God's plan for our life, that is Satan at work in our lives. And I'm going to spend the, the last bit of time I have with you this morning looking back at that Ephesians text where our, where our theme verse comes from and looking at what, what Paul says is the answer to those attacks from Satan He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul says we can be strong. When Satan attacks us, whether that's attacking our body or whether that's putting those doubts and thoughts into our heads, we can be strong in the Lord because God has given us armor to wear. He's given us weapons to use against Satan. Now, the image that that Paul's using here is the image of a Roman soldier. When he talked about the armor of God, those people he was writing to would have had this picture of a Roman soldier in their head. And and he goes on to describe it. Look at what he says. He says, first of all, wear the belt of truth around your waist. Now, picture a Roman soldier for a minute. They didn't have pants, so why would they need a belt, right? If you don't need to hold your pants up. Well, it, it was to keep their tunic from getting tangled in their legs and stuff while they were in battle. It was to keep him from getting tripped up. It's the same thing with us. We, we've, got, we've got God's truth on our side. And so when Satan whispers in your ear, can God really love you? God's truth is there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's God's truth that we use against the lies of Satan. He talks about having the breastplate of righteousness. Now, if you've ever seen a Roman soldier, you may remember they had this like breastplate. It was made of metal. They'd wear it across their chest and to protect their heart and their other lungs and their vital organs. But but do you remember that one kind of unique thing about a Roman breastplate is there was nothing on the back. Their backs were totally vulnerable. Why was that? Because they were never to be alone in battle. They were to always have somebody else back to back with them, side to side with them, fighting along with them. And that's why we talk about small groups all the time here at Trinity and encourage you to get connected in a small group because you can't battle Satan alone. God did not design it that way. You're supposed to have other people right there side by side, back to back with you, fighting the fight together with you. How about, he talks about the gospel of peace and he talks about your feet being fitted with the gospel of peace. You know, in those days, if you wanted to move your army somewhere, you couldn't load them into troop transports, right? If your army was going to go somewhere, guess how they got there? They had to walk. 
And so uh, uh, historians tell us that of all the, the Roman armor that they had, their sword, their shield, their breastplate, the thing that they actually invested the most money in for a Roman soldier were the sandals he wore on his feet. Because they knew that without that foundation, nothing else was going to matter. And look what the foundation is for us. It's the gospel of peace. It's this promise that God has given you that you have peace with God, that there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you one bit less. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's our foundation. No matter what Satan might whisper to you and me, he doesn't want us to know the fact that, that we have a God that loves us and, and you don't have to ever worry about uh, doing anything that could separate us from that love of God in Christ Jesus. That's God's promise. He goes on to talk about this. He says, we've got the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know what the soldiers used to do with their shields back then? They would cover them in in leather, and before they went into battle, they would soak that leather in, in water. So that by the time they went into battle, that shield was soaked with water. Now, why would they do that? It would just make it heavier, right? But think about what would happen when that flaming arrow stuck in the shield. Instead of it burning, it would be extinguished. So let me ask you the question, what are you supposed to be soaking in before you go into battle with Satan? God's word. That's right. Do you remember last week we looked at that temptation of Jesus, and Satan would throw those temptations at Jesus, and Jesus would come right back with God's word. And you may say, well, that was easy for Jesus to do. After all, he wrote it, right? But, uh, but, but the fact is, don't forget, Jesus was fully human, just like you and me. When Jesus was a kid, he sat there and he memorized scripture, just like you and I do. And he was ready when Satan threw those temptations at him to quote scripture right back. The more we soak ourselves in God's word, the more we're going to be ready for those flaming arrows, those, those whispered doubts that Satan throws our way, those accusations. And then finally he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me start with that sword for a second. The sword was the one offensive weapon that a Roman soldier had. And next week, as we wrap up the series, we're going to talk about how we as the people of God are not just supposed to be on the defensive against Satan. We're supposed to be on the offensive. And we're going to talk about what that means next week. But notice he also says that, that we need to always remember that we are wearing the helmet of salvation. Now, I, any Monty Python fans in the room? I know that's kind of dating me a little bit. But, but do you remember that movie where, uh, where uh, one, of the, one of King Arthur's men is in a battle with this, uh, with this black knight, you know? And he takes his sword and he cuts off the guy's arm. And the, and the guy's spurting blood, you know? And he goes, it's just a flesh wound. And then he gets his other arm cut off and then the legs are cut off. And, but he's still fine. Why? Because he's still got his head, you know? I'm pretty sure if they cut the head off first, that might have been the end of it, right? But, but so, so that's, what, that's what we're saying. We're saying, look, in the end... Yeah, Satan may be able to cause some flesh wounds, but, but because we are wearing the helmet of salvation, think about what that means. That means no matter what Satan does to you, you're going to heaven. And there's nothing he can ever do to take that away. You're going to spend eternity with God and with those you love that have died in faith, and there's nothing Satan can do that would ever take your salvation away. Isn't that amazing? So these are the weapons that God has given us. These are the, 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 this is the armor of God that we have. It's truth and salvation and it's faith and it's peace and it's righteousness and it's all built on that foundation of the word of God. So yeah, we're in a battle. But God has given us some amazing tools to use in that battle. 
Now, I, I want to end the message today by, by putting a picture up on the screen. But before I do, you have to promise me that you're not going to laugh. Okay? Promise, everybody? Promise you're not going to laugh. All right, good. All right, so here's the picture. You promised. <laughs> now, yeah, that's, that's me in uh, 1995, so 22 years ago. And, uh, and the reason that date is important to me is that's the date that I was ordained as a pastor. That's the date I became a pastor. And uh, you can see I've gotten a few gray hairs over the years as a pastor, right? But uh, no, 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 no. Okay. okay. But, um, but, uh, but here's what I want to tell you. That date should have been a lot earlier. And I should have looked even younger and goofier in that picture, all right? Because for years, I knew that God was trying to get me to be a pastor. I was a Lutheran school teacher. I was teaching junior high. And, uh, and, and God's spirit kept guiding and directing me to head to seminary and become a pastor. I knew that's what God wanted for my life. So why didn't I do it if I knew that's what God wanted me to do? It was because of Satan. He was whispering stuff in my ear. He was whispering stuff like this in my ear. You're not smart enough to make it through Greek. How are you going to get to the seminary? There's no way you're going to pass. He was whispering in my ear, the other pastors, they're going to look down on you because you're going to be a second-class pastor because you didn't go straight to the seminary from college. You weren't pre-sem. You know, you were a teacher first, so you're a second-career guy, and the other pastors are going to look down on you as a second-class pastor. Or he whispered this one in my ear, you're not compassionate enough. Pastors have to really love people, and you don't like people all that much sometimes. <laughs> or maybe this is the worst one of all. He used to whisper on me, ear that the stuff that you've done, you don't qualify to be a pastor. And I listened to those lies of Satan for a long time. Actually, interestingly enough, three of those aren't lies. I, I aced Greek. That was easy. That wasn't a problem at all. But uh, honestly, other pastors do look down on me sometimes because I'm a second career guy. Um, I, I'm not really all that compassionate. We got other pastors on our staff that, that are much more compassionate and, and caring pastors than I am. And, uh, and honestly, if you knew some of the stuff I've done, you'd go, that guy's our senior pastor? But you know what? Really, all pastors could say that stuff, right? None of us qualifies. None of us qualifies to be part of God's family, even. But we are because of Jesus and his grace, right? So think of all the years I listened to Satan's lies, and it kept me from doing what God was calling me to do. So how about for you? What are those lies of Satan that he's whispering to you right now, this week? Is, is he whispering to you, don't get in a small group. People are just going to find out stuff about you that you don't want them to find out, and, and they're not going it's, to, it's better if they just kind of see you as that face of church on Sunday morning, and they don't get to know you. Is that one of Satan's lies? Or, or is it, you know, that, that, that new step that you believe God is calling you to? Maybe it's a new career or a new job or, or, or a, a new relationship, and, and there's this little voice of Satan going, oh, man, you're just going to mess that up if you try that. Or, or, or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's that one lie that Satan tells all of us. You don't really deserve God's love. How could he really forgive you? Folks, don't let Satan tell you those lies. Don't, just, just call him the liar that he is and, and use the truth of God's word and, the, and, and that, that gospel of peace and that helmet of salvation. 
use those tools that God has given you, most of all that sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God, to just tell Satan to take a hike. He wants to steal your joy away. Don't let him do it. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, um, first of all, we all admit that sometimes we buy into the lie that our society tells us that Satan is nothing to worry about. That, uh, that he's just as, as made up as vampires and, um, and you know, mummies and all that other stuff. But, but Lord, your word teaches us that Satan is real. That he's a fallen angel who seeks to thwart your plan and your purposes at every turn. That evil is real in this world. And Lord, we're involved in a battle against that evil. But Lord, today specifically, help us trust you. That, that first of all, when, when you do let Satan attack us, that we trust that you can even use those attacks of Satan for good in our lives. And then most importantly, Lord, when Satan whispers those lies in our ears, when he tries to convince us of things that are just enough true to sound plausible, but really are designed to misdirect us and, and keep us from living the free, abundant hopeful, joyful life that you have for us, that you would bind Satan, that you would keep him out of our thoughts, out of our lives, and that you would help us use the power of your word and your truth to defeat Satan at every turn. Thank you for spending some time in God's word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about our relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T, L, C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.